Shalom Mishpocha, Shalom family. Mishpocha is a Hebrew word. It means family. <laughs> We're the Mishpocha, the family with a Jewish heart, made up of Jewish and non-Jewish people. We're the middle wall of separation between Jew and Gentile. It's finally come down to form one new humanity, one new man, getting ready, Mishpocha, to blow the grandest shofar, all the grandest trumpet in Zion. We want everyone, everywhere, to hear the good news. We want everyone, everywhere, to be red hot for the Messiah. You know, what I was thinking uh, just as I started this show was that many people, before they know the Messiah, before they're born from above, they have gifting from God. Uh, For instance, a, a nightclub singer was really called by God to be a psalmist, but they just haven't had the revelation yet. Uh, a world-class salesman was really called by God to be an evangelist, but they just haven't been born again yet. And I find many people that operate in the supernatural, they had a passion for the supernatural before they knew the Messiah, and the only door they saw open was the New Age. That's what happened to me. And that's what happened to my guest, Patricia King. Uh, Now, in 1976, Patricia King was just lost in the world of the New Age. Uh, And she was having her son was about ready to be born. And you prayed to God because there were real serious problems. And you said, God, if you're real, save me and my son. What was going on with you and your son? That's right, Sid. I was in a very uh, serious condition, actually. I uh, went into convulsions uh, just prior to delivering him. I wasn't in labor yet, went into convulsions. And in the midst of it, I had um, the devil actually come to me in a vision, and he spoke to me. I saw him very clearly. I heard his voice audibly. And he said, if you will give to me the child that is in your womb, I will work out all your life's problems. I will take care of you. I will make sure everything works out well. And um, then he uh, faded out of the vision. I don't know how I knew he was a devil. I just knew. Well, after he finished, then Jesus came into the vision. And uh, it was just very faint. When Jesus came in, it was just kind of an impression of Jesus with his arms being held out. And in an inner audible voice, just or um, inner uh, quiet voice, rather, just like a whisper, it was like he said, come to me. And I cried out within because I wasn't able to talk or anything. I said, Jesus, if you are for real, if you um, rescue my child and I tonight, because we were still convulsing and uh, we were in a very dangerous state that if you if you give us life I will give you the rest of my life and I didn't know what that meant um, I, had, I had not had the gospel preached to me as far as you know knowing how to receive Jesus as my personal savior but I came out of convulsions at that moment uh, they took me down to the operating room delivered my son when he was born, I saw this brilliant white light around him, and I knew that I knew that I knew that Jesus had delivered us. And that night, I determined to give my life to Jesus, even though I didn't know how to do that yet. And, and as a matter of fact, because you didn't know, you continued uh, in the New Age, but then you went to a Bible study run by an Anglican mm-hmm. minister, and people started sharing how their lives were changed and testimonies, and a light bulb went on inside of you. What happened? 
That's right. I, I heard them share how Jesus forgave them of their sin and gave them a brand new life. And I didn't need to be told I was a sinner. I knew I was. I just didn't know how not to be. And so I said, uh, when I got home, I went down on my knees on my living room floor, and I said, Jesus, um, I don't know how to talk to you or pray properly or anything like that, but those people up the street said that you came into their heart and forgave them of all their sin and gave them a new life. Would you do that for me? And you know, Sid, I didn't know for sure that he would do it because I heard their testimonies and they shared some of the things that they had done before they got saved. And I thought, yeah, that's, you know, awesome that God could forgive that. But my sin seems so much bigger than theirs. And I thought, I wonder if he could forgive the likes of me. So I wasn't sure. But at the moment I asked him to come in, he didn't hesitate and said it was like this liquid love came into my heart. It was just like flowed in and I actually felt my sins be removed. I felt the the guilt, the shame, the, the, the weight of the sin, the distress of it absolutely leave me in just a moment of time. And I wept and wept and wept because I'd been introduced to God. I'd been introduced to love himself and my whole being filled up with love. And I knew that the one who knew me the most, he knew everything I'd been doing in the back closet. He knew all my sin and yet he loved me so perfectly and was willing to remove that sin and give me a brand new life. And your ministry today is known for love. I mean, that marks your ministry today and also known for gifts of the Spirit. Uh, Now, with me, uh, I had a similar experience in that my whole room was was a bedroom, was just filled with liquid love. And I, 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 I didn't even know how to describe what it was, but it was the most wonderful thing in the world. So I do have a degree of a paradigm uh, for what happened to you, but um, you had training early on on how the Holy Spirit operates and gifts of the Spirit. Tell me the, the first time you saw an angel. Well, the first time I saw an angel um, with open eye vision, with full open eye vision, um, would have been probably uh, around, I think, 1990 or something, maybe. I'd I'd had senses of angels before that. But this angel was um, enormous. It was uh, while I was praying in my home, and um, I looked up from my prayer, and on the second level of our home, because we had an open loft on the second floor, there was an angel with the top of his head going through the roof. So we we had at least 18 feet in our home between the two two floors plus whatever went off the top of the uh, ceiling. So I would say the angel was about 20 feet tall, and it was um, it, it you know it just filled all the space, and it actually frightened me when I saw it. Uh, because I wasn't expecting it, and I I screamed, and when I did, it went out of my vision, and I couldn't I, I I couldn't seem to get it back after that. But I'll never forget seeing that angel, and I asked the Lord, Lord, um, I don't know what that angel was doing here. Like, what is that? I've never seen anything like that, and and I wish I hadn't screamed, or I wish I hadn't gotten afraid because it just left my vision. And he said, it is there to protect you. It is there to watch over you in this next season. And we had been just stepping into a season of um, 
of intense warfare. But the entire time we walked through that that area of warfare, I remembered, I don't need to fear. God sent that angel. And I kept seeing the impression of that angel in my mind. And you you also have dreams and visions. Uh, tell me about the time you were in Israel and you had a, a vision about what's about ready to happen. Well, Sid, um, that was um, in the fall, um, August, September of of uh, 2013, I was in Israel, and um, there was conflict, you know, as there is oftentimes. There was conflict, um, severe conflict, and uh, we were close to the border of Syria where the conflict was, and on the news, there was um, broadcasters were saying, it looks like this could be the start of a third world war, and there was tumult amongst the nations, and there was an uproar going on, and then I was getting emails from many Christians who were saying, oh, I think this is going to be, you know, the end of the end. There's going to be a third world war. And they were coming into agreement with that. Well, as I was in Israel, the Lord said very, very clearly, he said, this is not the time. I mean, we know that there will be, you know, there's, there's wars and rumors of wars, of course. But he said, this is not the time for that war to break out. And you must stop it because as my people, you have the power in the earth. I've given you authority to bind and to loose. But if the enemy brings forth this war before its time, it will set everything back out of its right timing. And it will take generations and generations to to come into the place where I want to bring this great harvest, this great revival that's coming. And um, so uh, it was a very clear word from the Lord to take dominion in the spirit and to dissipate the uh, wave of expectation for a tremendous disaster through war to take place. You, you also saw God's heart to bless nations. Tell me about that. Yeah, I believe, um, Sid, that we are on the precipice of one of the greatest moves of the Spirit in all of church history. And in 1995, in February of 1995, I had... um, a vision. Actually, I went into a trance and saw a number of visions, but one of them was this globe of the world where I saw every nation. And God's hand was cupped over Israel. And his other hand swept all the way around the world and touched every nation. There was like an ingathering and there was, there was gifts being deposited and there was a the glory of God being deposited in nations by the hand of God. And when the sweeping of that move uh, was complete on all the other nations. But then um, he took his hand off of Israel because Israel was the only nation who hadn't got the sweeping hand of God in that way. When he took his hand off of Israel, all the other nations spontaneously brought their gifts, their blessing, and everything to the nation of Israel and to the people of Israel. And um, it was an amazing thing. I just started weeping when I saw, saw the vision, and I realized that God has appointed a time for the nations to be blessed in him, but that they will bring all the blessings. They will bring the blessings to Israel. And, so, and, and, and you know what's so neat, is, is, is Patricia, is that the way God has ordained it, the reason they bring those great blessings to Israel 
is so that they'll even have greater blessings coming back to them. That's the way God orchestrated. But I am so excited because I've been listening to the course that you've put together called Create Your World, and it's five CDs, a workbook, an interactive workbook, I might add, and a book called Create Your World. And the subtitle is Activating Your God-Given Power to Create Realms and Atmospheres. And so few Bible believers understand that they have authority over their atmosphere. The entire teaching series, the, the CDs, the workbook, the interactive workbook, and the book available for a gift of $59. Call our order-only line, one 800 447 2697 800 447 2697 You know, uh, Patricia, so many of us... No, I'll tell you what. I'm going to rephrase that question differently. If you knew what you taught in the Create Your World series when you were a baby believer... What difference would it have made? Oh, my gosh. Sid, the keys that are taught in that course are so significant that it'll literally change your world because the life that we're living right now, we actually create it, you know, for the most part by, by our belief systems, by the words we speak, by our actions. And, you know, the earlier you get to know this in your walk, the more you can create with intentionality as you partner with God. But what about, here's my concern. I know people that have been sitting in the church for 50 years, spirit-filled churches, and don't have a clue about the keys that God's revealed to you. Is it too late for them to change their atmosphere and fulfill their destiny? It's never too late, Sid. And you know, a lot of times people just think, well, I'll just wait for God to show up or I'll wait for God to do something. But it says in the Bible that the heavens belong to the Lord and the earth belongs to the sons of men. And he's given us the earth to steward and he's given us our life to steward. And he gives us promises that we can live by and create with in him. Well, you are known for someone Uh, that walks in supernatural love. Now, I have to tell you, I have a pet peeve. Uh, You walk into church, and uh, the pastor says, well, everyone stand up, and you hug one another, and tell them you love them, and you don't even know who they are, and it's like, what is this? That's not love, that's just words. Yeah, you know, we have to be more than words. It says in 1 Corinthians 13, 1 to 3, that um, we actually have nothing, we are nothing, and it profits nothing if we don't have true love. And then it defines what true love is, you know. And uh, 1 Corinthians 13 is a well-known passage of Scripture. And it's easy to say, but another thing to do. And I think, Sid, is that first of all, we have to know that he loved us first. When you understand that you are loved beyond measure, you are loved unconditionally by God, and you understand the love that he shared when he died on the cross for our sins, where he, he offered us new life, then you can begin to let that life flow out to others. And you can create a world, a create a whole realm of love everywhere you go if you're intentional about that. You know, I think every true believer would like that, but they don't have a handle on how to do it. Uh, what was, would you say was the turning point for you? 
Well, I think, Sid, one of the things that um, made me understand love more than any other time in my life and, and seasoned me in love, when I went through um, a long season of pretty hefty persecution, and uh, it came on some very high levels. Uh, there was a lot of, you know, people, you know, speaking very negative and very bitter things against me um, publicly and everything. And it was, it was a time when I thought, Lord, I don't, I don't know what to do. And he said, I just want you to love. And I was really discouraged one day, and I said, Lord, I, I just, you know, I just want to love. I'm doing my best to you know, to work these things through and to, you know, process the best I can with those that are in opposition, but I don't know what else to do. And up out of my spirit rose these words, you know, um, I declare war. I declare war. And I thought, no, I don't want to declare war. I just want to, you know, I just want to be at peace. And then the third time it was, I declare a love war. And I realized what God was saying. He said, what the world needs now is love, sweet love. And when you look at the journey that Jesus had in his life, he was opposed on every side, but he never, ever failed in love. He never lost love. He never withdrew love. And the Lord said, are you willing to embrace my sufferings because they're love sufferings. Are you willing to love those to the nth degree, to bless them, to undergird them, to to honor them when they are doing the exact opposite to you? And he said, if you will do that, if you will do that, you will have the foundation of the kingdom living within you, which is love. Tell me about the homeless man that put all these words to a test you know, Sid, um, this is this is really embarrassing in some ways because, you know, as a Christian minister, you want to, you know, proclaim love. And one one night, this was a number of years ago, I was doing a meeting, and I'd had this um, homeless young man kind of follow us around. He'd come into our meetings, and he had a lot of B.O., his teeth were rotten, his breath was bad. I mean, everything about him just wanted me to, wanted, you know, everything in me wanted to reject him. And so one night I saw him come through the door into the meeting and I thought, I think I'll just slip into the prayer room for a moment. So I slipped into the prayer room and closed the door uh, so that I would isolate myself from him. And in my attitude inside the prayer room, I thought, oh, good, I made it. You know, I got away from that guy. And the Lord nailed me. You know, sometimes we can, you know, just be in such a rotten attitude and think it's okay. And he nailed me and he said, you know, if you continue to reject him, he will become more rejectable to you. But if you will accept him, he'll become more acceptable to you. And I was convicted to the core, and I went out there, and he was actually standing out the door waiting for me. And I looked at him, and I felt so much compassion and love. I invited him to sit right beside me, and he was so happy to do that. Now, now did you really feel the compassion and love, or were you really just trying to be obedient to what you realized God wanted you to do? When I looked at him that night, I, I saw him through the eyes of compassion because I was so convicted by what I had done. And so it was a, a choice, plus it was coming into a connection of how much God loved him. And so I, I invited him out after the meeting as well to have coffee with some friends of, of, of mine, and he sat down and had coffee with us. Over time... He became a really good friend, and I remember even uh, the next week after the coffee time, uh, he, he came into to the meeting the following week. He was all dressed up. He had bought a, a, a suit at the second-hand store, and he was all dressed up, and he had a big Bible under his arm and declared that he, he, he was a man of God. 
And, uh, you know, we just loved him through the coming months. And after um, after a number of months, actually, he came to me and he said, Patricia, I got a job. I got a job. And um, the job was outside of our city. He actually had to move to get the job. And we were all so sad because we had come to love him that much. And it all happened by choosing to accept him rather than reject him. Do you know... If you hadn't operated in love, he could have gotten offended eventually and went right back in the streets, and his life would have been totally wasted. Exactly. Love is so important, Sid. We've seen love, just a little bit of love, um, filling a person who has love deficits can totally transform their life. Tell me about your work in Cambodia and Thailand uh, with uh, uh, the sex slaves. Yeah, um, a number of years ago, the Lord led me to uh, go to Bangkok, and he said, I want to show you some things about sex tourism, which I thought, okay, I'd never heard of sex tourism before. When I arrived there, I realized that there was children and young girls, young boys being exploited for the purpose of of sex trade people were coming from all over the world to buy sex and um and and it just broke my heart in fact i was so overwhelmed i remember sitting in a bar with a young girl and you know she looked so young she looked about 15 years of age or something and she shared her story with me and how she had been sent into patia to work at the bars by her own parents and uh, she went there as a virgin and was prostituted out and and she had tears filling up her her eyes and i just it just broke my heart but it overwhelmed me i thought what can we do and love will always have an answer when you're overwhelmed when your heart is overwhelmed when you go to god who is love he will give you an answer and so he gave us just a little project to work on we went into the bars one night and sang some love songs and some special music we asked the brothel owner if we could be the entertainment for the night and uh sing some love songs on on valentine's day and she said yes and they were jesus love songs we didn't tell her that but you know we um just went in and sang and through the atmosphere changing because of love because of creating an atmosphere of love, we were able to reap a harvest that night where a number of girls gave their lives to Jesus Christ. We went back. It gave us so much encouragement that we went back a number of months later and hosted a love feast for the girls in the brothels for 120 girls. We set up a beautiful hotel, a beautiful meal. We went out to the bars and, and bought girls out of the bars for $30, $30 for the night uh, because the brothel owners wouldn't let them go unless we paid. And we sat them in this banquet feast and told them how much God loved them. For the most part, most of them had never, ever been told that, ever. Over 80% of the girls that night gave their lives to Jesus Christ because of love, because they felt love. And a number of them left the bars that night, never to return again. We were able to get them into programs. But from that night, the Lord continued to propel us in love to rescue little children, which we work a lot with children at risk now, uh, delivering them out of the sex trade, putting them in proper homes, getting their health back up, uh, educating them. And it was all propelled by love. You know, the thing that is so amazing to me is your whole series, Create Your World by Changing Your Atmosphere. You literally not only get them out of the sex trade, not only get them saved and discipled, 
but God is giving you tremendous business ideas. Uh, do you have a big background in business? And, and these business ideas are supporting them now. I don't have a business background. I, um, I have a nursing background. And then after I left my nursing career, I went into full-time preaching and ministering on the mission fields. Um, but a number of years, the Lord spoke to me um, that he was about his father's business. And he showed, showed me how we can um, actually change the atmosphere of communities and nations by establishing businesses. So the first business we started in Cambodia was, was, with, a, was, was with a bag of soap, Sid. <laughs> it was, um, you know, we were in a very poor area. People were selling their children uh, because they didn't have money. to. Oh, I'm so sorry. We're out of time. This is so fascinating to me. Tell me about the series you've put together, Create Your World. Oh, Sid, I just love Create Your World, because for the most part, Sid, we have created the world that we live in through our core beliefs, through our values, through the choices we make, our associations, the words we speak. We actually create the realms and the atmospheres that we live in. And so it can be negative or it can be positive. So the book and the workbooks and the CDs all work together to establish this, this solid base of the Word of God to launch out with intentionality, to partner with God, to build your world. And, you know, we've been seeing so many people helped by this, uh, people that, that um, you know, were living in humdrum kind of lives with negativity. We said, you know, are you going to remain there or are you going to create a better life? Are you going to remain in depression or are you going to create joy? Because we have the tools in the Word of God to create heaven on earth. And so the book and the workbook is based on 12 keys from the Scripture that God has given us, tools to create our world with Him. And you know what I want to emphasize? I think positive thinking is a wonderful thing. Uh, however, <laughs> until you bump into your first crisis. But what Pat- Patricia is talking about is not positive thinking. What Patricia is talking about is partnering with God to establish his kingdom on earth. It makes positive thinking pale in comparison. Um, and one of the, one of the uh, many areas you teach on, I mean, it's, I'm amazed at the number of keys. And I have to tell you, most spirit-filled Christians don't understand why they keep walking like the, my Jewish people did for 40 years in the desert in a big circle. <laughs> you know, they were a week away or so from the promised land, and they walk in a big circle for 40 years. And many Christians do that. And a wise person once said, definition of insanity, keep doing the same thing the same way and expect different results. <laughs> right. That is insanity for sure. So um, you have—we uh, were talking on yesterday's broadcast about you, your, the compassion of God just erupted in you in Thailand and Cambodia, and you started working with these uh, sex slaves, literally these young kids, and you, you not only got them uh, to, uh, to be free from their business but born again, and then you started businesses, and you didn't have a business background. You were trained as a nurse, but with God. I mean, like, I look at myself, Patricia. 
I don't have the ability for what I'm doing. I, I mean, and I feel like I have nothing to do with it. I'm being catapulted. And that's what God's done for me. My Bible says he's not a respecter of persons. What God has done for you, when you look around at what God's done in your ministry, uh, uh, just for those that aren't that familiar with it, tell us. You know, um, I will. And uh, you inspired me so much when you were sharing uh, just this last minute that I have a word of knowledge for some people that are listening to the program because I feel in my spirit that the Lord's saying many of you are going to shift into acceleration that you've been uh, not trained for some areas that you are actually going to excel in. And people will, will even come to you and say, how did you learn this? And you will say, I learned from the presence of God. I learned from the Lord speaking to my heart. I learned from the keys that he showed me in the scripture. And it's going to be a sign and a wonder. And there's someone in particular listening to this program right now that you have actually just lost your job and you're wondering what to do. You're going to be surprised at the doors that God opens for you because you're going to step into something that you're not even trained for. But God's going to bless you with the uh, favor to step into that realm, but also with the goods to perform it. So, um, but anyways, as far as Thailand and, and Cambodia uh, go, let me share with you, Sid, um, the first business that we started there, um, because in Poipat, there is such dire poverty that, that parents are selling their children for food to traffickers. And, uh, and, and, and it's because of poverty. And the Lord says, what are you going to do about that, Patricia? And so I um, took a woman aside. I said, would you like a business? And she said, oh, I would, I would love a business, but how can I get one? I said, well, I'm going to give you a bag of soap. And so I bought a, a bag of laundry detergent. And I said, you know, I'm going to give you a company. I'm going to help you set it up called Purity Laundry Services. And the Lord had given me a creative idea to actually start an industry called um, uh, Justice Tourism. I, and, and he said, what that is, is I'm going to call my workers in from all around the world who love the poor and who are going to help them out of the dilemma that they're in. But when they're here... They're going to need their coffee. They're going to need their, their clothes washed. They're going to need trinkets to buy to take back home. And he says, I'm inviting you to develop a whole industry uh, so that the people can have work. So we started with a laundry service. And um, they took the soap and they got a bucket of water and they started uh, washing the laundry of our workers that were there, of, of volunteers that had come over to serve them. And we just made a little order sheet on the, the um, internet and they became prosperous, so much so that they had to hire five people to keep up with all the laundry. And then we did a jewelry company, just started with a few beads and taught people how to make jewelry. And they started selling the jewelry. And then we started a hair salon and a massage parlor where uh, you know people would come in for neck and shoulder massages and it was just an amazing thing and one one thing just kept leading to another it didn't take a lot of work it didn't even take a lot of money it just took stepping into it and uh with with the model of that now uh we're seeing that spring forth in other mission fields as well and we've been able to help other missionaries start businesses and, but the thing that's so mind-blowing to me is you do not have a business background. Didn't you say, God, uh, take someone else, someone maybe be on my staff that has a business background? Uh, 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 I mean, you must have felt so unworthy to do this, Patricia. 
Well, I felt inadequate, um, but the Lord had spoken to me a few years before. He said, I'm about my father's business. And I took note of that scripture, and I thought, oh, that's interesting. He says he's about his father's business. He didn't use the word ministry there. So I just had, had kind of a rhema word, like step into that anointing. And Sid, even if we've never stepped into anything in the past, we we can step into it today if the Lord leads us that way. And I think many people are going to be led into business ideas in these coming days. In fact, Christians are going to lead in new um, uh, business ideas and, and um, you know, things that actually will release prosperity to the nations and break systemic poverty. I really believe that. Uh, you know, a lot of Christians are misguided. They say, God, I need money. And they expect money to float down from heaven rather than an idea. And they miss what God is doing. And we can create with God. God is a great creator. And we were um, created in his image and likeness, according to Genesis 1, 27 and 28. And we have dominion in the earth. So when you get a hold of God, there's nothing impossible. You can create with him and you can produce wonderful things when his power and his favor is on you. You talk about this. This is one of the keys that you teach in Create Your World. There is an, an atmosphere for creativity, and most people don't. Uh, they have an atmosphere, but I think it's an atmosphere for the opposite. Yes. You can actually create realms, Sid. You know, like a whole atmosphere of, of uh, faith can be created by you know, many different tools. Of course, we share all those tools in the book and, the, and, and in the CD and uh, manual. We, um, we unpack each one of those keys separately. But, you know, even when you're having coffee with a friend, there can be a negative environment or a faith-filled environment. How is that created? A lot of times by your conversation, by your focus of conversation, uh, by the things that you share. And so if you, with intentionality, work with God, take his hand and walk with him, you can create environments. You can create prosperity. You can create joy. You can create love. You can create all these environments. There's literally, there are ways of creating a portal, if you will, from heaven, like uh, where Jacob, the angels, were going up and down the ladder. I can just envision ideas going up and down the ladder for you when the environment is right. That's right. That's right. And God has given us the environment of love in his son, and there's nothing that he has withheld from us. No good thing has he withheld from us. And he is excited to partner with us to create with him. Okay, the series includes five CDs, which are 15 lessons, an interactive workbook, and a book called Create Your World. What feedback are you getting from people that have either taken the course with you or taken this series? People are actually having turnarounds, Sid, in their life, and especially in the area of financial provision. There seems to be a special blessing on that one. Because of the day we're living in, many people have, have had some deficits in those areas, but the book has helped them create a new atmosphere of abundance, out of lack into abundance. Tell me real quickly about the story of the milk, very quickly. 
Oh, my gosh. We were, um, this was years ago, my husband and I were um, learning how to walk by faith, and we had no milk, no food, actually, in in, in the house. I prayed, and um, within 20 minutes, the doorbell uh, rang, and there was a woman standing there with a, a gallon of fresh farm milk. Um, she had just gone to the farm. She said, you know, I don't know you very well, but the Lord spoke to me when I was at the farm and told me to buy some milk for you. Can you use it? And I thought, oh, my gosh, you know, and we, I had just been praising the Lord for everything that he had given us and, 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 and just rejoicing in him giving him thanksgiving, even for what we didn't have manifest at the time. But within 20 minutes there it was manifest because it shifts the atmospheres. Your prayers, your praises, your thanksgiving, it shifts the atmosphere. I have to believe that when you go out in a restaurant somewhere, people just gravitate to you because they can feel the atmosphere changing. I want not just this to happen for Patricia. I want this to happen for you. That's why this amazing series, Create Your World, activating your God-given power to create realms and atmospheres. Most don't have a clue about this. The five CDs, the 15 uh, lessons within the five CDs, the interactive workbook, and the book Create Your World, available for a gift of $59. Call our order-only line, 1-800-447-2697, Nine seven, Patricia, uh, you were telling me before we went on the air that you had occasion uh, to ask questions of Dr. Oral Roberts and have him pray for you uh, just before he was promoted to heaven. Uh, tell me some things about that. Sure. You know, Dr. Or- Oral Roberts was such an awesome man of God. And and uh, just before he was uh, going to be with the Lord, he had an awareness that his time was up. So he invited leaders to come and spend time with him, about 20 at a time, within his home. And we were allowed to ask him each a, a question we could ask of him. And then after the question period, he was going to give us all an opportunity to receive prayer and impartation from him. And we could choose anything in his life um, that we saw um, that we would like, and he would release it uh, through faith. He really believed in the power of impartation. And so um, the question that I had on my heart was, how do you maintain, you know, your devotional walk, your, your, your worship time, your personal time with the Lord in the midst of being so busy because he was an author, a televangelist, you know, an apostle, a creator of, of all kinds of different works with, the, you know, medical missions and universities and that I said, how did you keep your time with God as a priority? And he said, oh, that was easy. He said, that was my sacred time and my sacred place. And he said, every day I would spend time alone with God. And he said, no one was allowed to interrupt me when I was in that place. Wherever I was, I would set apart a place where I would close the door, and that would be my time with God. He said, my wife couldn't get me there, my children, not even the President of the United States or anyone that my whole staff, my whole family knew that when I was in that place, I was not to be disturbed. And Sid, he said that it was in that place of worship and devotion with God that every creative idea for what he was called to do in his ministry, it came out of that place with God. And he said when God would speak to him in that place with an idea, he would never have to ask him twice. He would just say, yes, Lord, I will do that. And so he said, because it was birthed in that place of worship, 
um, he said there was grace upon it to execute it. And I, I was just so touched by by this. I thought, Lord, that's what I want. So when it was time to be prayed for by Dr. Oral Roberts, he had us all uh, down on our knees because he was sitting in a chair and his uh, health had been failing. And he stretched out his hand. He says, what do you want? Because we could have said anything. He said, you can have, you know, a blessing for the, the uh, gift of faith I have, evangelism, miracles, healing, whatever you want. Just say it and you can have it. And he said, what would you like? And I said, the sacred time in the sacred place. And he said, what else would you like? And I said, that's enough. That's all. And he laid his hand on me and I felt the lightnings of God go through me. And I fell on the floor and I felt this power surge through my whole body. And I knew that it, it was a new separation of my life, of my heart, to embrace that sacred place, that sacred time with God as a priority in my life. And there was um, a real impartation of grace um, that empowered me uh, during that prayer time. Now, tell me what your sacred time is like. Could you kind of paint me a picture, Patricia? Well, when I I do my my uh, like time alone, because I think that we we need to all learn to walk in that sacred time and sacred place all the time. But in my alone times, I love worshiping. I love talking to God. I love making decrees of his word, anything that connects me to his heart. And sometimes I can't enter in right away because I have distractions in my mind. So I find whatever works that day to keep my mind focused on him. But I find, Sid, that that the more time you spend, that there's is kind of a, a, a tipping point that let's say that I start with reading the Word of God and my mind's a bit distracted, that after about 10 minutes or so, all of a sudden you're right inside of it. There's like this realm has been created because of your focus. Or if I start in worship and I start declaring His worth, at first I might not feel that connection, but when I stay in it long enough, there's this realm of presence that is created. And one morning I was in my, I was in my uh, prayer room and uh, you know, I was going through my morning devotions and that and just worshiping the Lord. And, and I, I just got excited and one hour went into two. And, you know, I was just in a, a, a realm. I could, I could feel the presence of the Lord. I was connected to his heart. I knew it. And I had to go to the restroom. So I left the room and I went to the restroom, grabbed a coffee on my way back, went back into the room. I could hardly wait to have some more time with the Lord because I was getting all kinds of downloads and revelations. But when I walked from the hallway into the room, I, there was a visible uh, realm of tangible glory in the room that had been created through the worship, that had been created through the focus. And it was so thick, and I've got white carpet in my home, that the uh, uh, coffee I was carrying uh, jolted just about spilled on my white carpet <laughs> because I was so shaken by the weight of the glory that was in that room. And the Lord showed me, he said, when you worship, you actually create an atmosphere in the location where you worship. And so I thought, wow, we, should, we can take this to the streets. We can take this to nations that when we, with intentionality, bring our sacred time and sacred place out into even places of darkness, that we can create realms of glory in those places. But how about just in your home, when one or more uh, of the people that live in the home are 
creating these realms in the home. It's got to be such a sanctuary that people that walk into your home probably comment, I feel the presence of God. I think every Christian that that lives in the glory will have people say that. We have people say that all the time about our home, even, uh, you know, workmen or the, the gardeners or whoever comes, they'll say, wow, it feels good in here, you know, and it's because of the glory. And I remember, Sid, one night there was uh, three young people and myself, we were just in our kitchen talking about the Lord, just talking about him and getting excited about what he had been doing. They'd been out doing some witnessing and they were sharing all the things that God was doing. And we're escalating in thanksgiving unto God. And all of a sudden, tangible glory came in. We actually felt felt the weight of his love presence. And then we felt winds start blowing and fragrances came. Heavenly fragrances started coming right into the kitchen. And so that was just a created realm by by talking about the Lord and His goodness and giving Him 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 adoration. Uh, now, in your uh, private worship time, have you ever been taken into heaven? Yes, oftentimes. I know that's a big uh, subject, but um, I believe that the Word. Uh, reveals an entrance into the glory that we have through the blood of Jesus Christ. So we can experience these things sovereignly as God, you know, comes to us, but we can also go to Him. So in my personal devotion time, um, daily, I access His presence because it says we can boldly come before the throne of grace. And so by faith, we can access His presence. And as you, by faith, engage in worshiping him in that glory realm, then you'll start to experience him in that realm. Tell me one time you moved into that heavenly realm. Yeah, I was in my devotion time one day, and um, I have an office where I uh, do a lot of my prayer and a lot of my worship. And I was in my uh, office one day worshiping, and um, I I was brought to a certain scripture in the Bible about wisdom. And so I started meditating on the word of wisdom, thanking God for the revelation he was giving me out of it. And he said, Patricia, in, in my realm, in the heavenly realm, are many dwelling places. I want to take you into a chamber in heaven called wisdom. And so I, um, I just agreed with him and followed the spirits leading into it and then began to have vision in regards to this chamber that I refer to as wisdom's chamber, where I met with the spirit of wisdom, which is one of the sevenfold dimensions of the spirit of God. And he started to speak to me insights of wisdom into some things that I was dealing with at that time. And he started showing me different things that I could do um, out of wisdom to even resolve uh, problems, really, you know, big things that need to be moved. So I actually went into that realm and received the insight that I needed directly from God, directly from the spirit of wisdom in that place. And that was just, it just started through worship and then meditating on the word that he gave me of the scripture. And then from that, he led me into that, that realm of wisdom. Now, Patricia, there are people listening to us and they're saying, boy, I wish uh, I could do something like that. That Patricia must just be a special person. But people that have taken uh, your mentoring course on Create Your World, which includes the five CDs, which are actually 15 
lessons. The interactive workbook and your book, Create Your World, are they moving in these realms? Are they prospering in business? Are they having the glory in their home? Are they getting supernatural wisdom? Absolutely. The book and the teachings will give you instruction on how you can step into all those things. And so hearing the word will give you your faith, and then acting on the word will make your faith alive. What would you say to someone that's pretty much given up? Oh, my, we can never give up because we have so much in God that we can work with, Sid. Life is wonderful. Jesus said, I came that you would have life and that you would have it in, a, in, a, in its abundance. And there's a glorious life for everyone. And we can actually create that life with God when we understand the keys that he gives us to do, do that with. All right, let's take a practical situation. Uh, you, you were having some problems from people and you decided to relocate. You found a nice city called uh, Maricopa, Arizona, uh, but they were going through a huge recession at the time you were moving in. Uh, I, I would say that had to be a pretty bleak moment in your life. You know, Sid, we don't have to... Um track with the world. We can make everything work together for good for us because that's God's purpose. When we walk with him, he'll lead us to do just that. And so um, while living in uh, Maricopa, it was actually one of the uh, largest cities in the building boom. I mean, it was just uh, next to Vegas. It was the, the, the biggest city of explosive growth. And then kaboom, in the recession, it just lost it. The housing, houses were lost. There was foreclosures everywhere. And um, on the news and everything, they would say, oh, it's going to be so oppressed. It's going to be so heavy. But we determined, as those who lived in the city, because when you live in a city, you have authority from God to bring his light into the darkness. Wherever you live, you have authority to bring the light into the darkness. We said, no, we're not going to accept a recession. We're not going to accept oppression that comes from what the world says, because our God says that we can be, be blessed. So we sent out prayer teams every single week. In fact, we still do it. Every Tuesday, we go around our city and proclaim blessing over the city. And uh, we just commanded the blessing of God. And, you know, it was awesome to see what the Lord did because the recession actually brought um, enormous blessings to many people in that they were giving away houses for like just pennies on the dollar. And so many Christians were able to pick up homes and own homes who had never been able to before because they were being sold for so so little. Could this be why for the last, maybe, uh, Patricia, the last maybe 10, 12 years, pro prophets have been telling God's people to get out of debt so that when those things happen, they can take advantage of them? Well, we were able to take a lot of advantage here. And then a lot of people got lower rents as well. So even people who had lost their homes got into um, housing that was so affordable for them where they had been struggling before. So we just began to decree the blessing. We said, Lord, we're going to turn everything that the enemy meant for harm. We're going to 
work together for good. And a lot of the businesses in our city were starting to close their doors, but we thought, well, let's start planting businesses instead. Instead of seeing them them go down, let's plant. And in fact, we did a building project for our ministry in the midst of the recession that the um, government of the city said, what's going on here? How can you do this? Why are you able to build when everyone else is having to close down? And so we became um, a light for the city and even for the um, uh, city council. Tell me about when you were threatened by some gangs. Well, we had um, some uh, friends in in the inner workings of the city, let's say that, and they had become aware that there was a very dark gang, uh, a very well-known gang that was going to headquarter in our city. They decided to headquarter in our city. They'd actually put offer on the property and everything. And so we got wind of this. And he said, please pray, because if they come in, it's going to be a headquarter for drug distribution and a whole lot of other stuff. And so we thought, not on our watch. That is not going to happen. So we started fasting and praying and making decrees over our city that our city was for the glory of God and that we we refused to let darkness in. And unless that gang was going to come in and get saved, they were not going to be able to come in and set up their headquarters here. And we just decreed that in the name of Jesus. And you know, Sid, it says in um, Job twenty two twenty eight that when you decree a thing, it will be established. And Esther 8, 8 says that when you make a decree in the name of a king, it will not be revoked. And so we just did it with confidence. And then it was in a very short time after that that this uh, gentleman who was inside the city uh, let us know. They said, okay, the whole thing fell through. And they decided not to move into this city, that they're going to go somewhere else. And we thought, well, let them be driven right into the arms of Jesus. <laughs> uh, you know, another friend of mine that is in heaven right now, his name was Dr. Derek Prince. Uh, he understood the power of decree. Uh, and would you give us an example, exactly what is a decree, what are you doing, and then uh, give us an actually do it? Yeah, a decree is actually an official order issued by a legal authority. That is the definition of decree, an official order issued by a legal authority. In Psalm 138, verse 2, God says he magnifies his word above his name. And in Romans 4, 17, it says that we can call things into being that don't even exist. Uh, Isaiah 55, 11 says that when we decree the word, it doesn't ret- return void. It goes forth and accomplishes everything that it's sent to do. And so the kingdom of God is voice activated. And so as we decree the word of God, that is the highest authority. That word carries the highest authority in all the universe because there's no other authority greater than Jesus Christ. So his words are spirit and they are life. And when you make decree of his word, it will come to pass. It will be established. It goes out and creates framework. Hebrews 11.3 says, by faith, the worlds were framed by the word of God. And so we can decree into our life, into our families, into our businesses, into our ministry, the blessing of God, because he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. He has blessed us with everything that pertains to life and to godliness. So we have everything that we need to create a realm of glory in every 
aspect and dimension of our life. Now, did you use this principle in areas like Cambodia and Thailand uh, when you were rescuing those young children that were caught in sex trafficking? When we first went into Poipet, Cambodia, which is a hub of sex trafficking, we started making decrees saying, we decree the light into the midst of this darkness. We decree freedom into the midst of this oppression. And we just would go in and start making decrees of the Word of God. And we actually literally saw everything shift. Poipet is a different city today than what it was even just a just a few years ago, because Christians have gone in making decrees of the Word of God. Would you make a few decrees right now? Absolutely. In fact, Sid, I see, um, especially right now, what's on a lot of people's hearts is, is the area of finance. And the Word says that all of your needs will be met according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. So I decree over all of our listeners a shift in their provisional levels. And I say, let the, let the level rise. Let the level be filled in the name of Jesus according to the Word of God that declares all your needs will be met according to His riches and glory by Christ Jesus. I also decree favor upon every one of the listeners today, that you are favored. You are favored by God. The Word says that you have been surrounded with favor as a shield. And the Lord says, start to expect increased favor, not only with God, but with man also. Start to expect open doors, because the favor of God is going before you. I also decree light into the midst of, of depression. I see in my spirit right now, some of the listeners are struggling with depression and hopelessness and despair. But I decree over you that light is entering that darkness right now. And that there is hope being created in you right now. And the Lord decrees over you that you are to rise up and take hold of all the potential that he offers you in this hour. Because it is there for you. Rise up, arise, and be blessed. Boy, I can feel the presence of God on those words. I want Patricia King to mentor you on her series called Create Your World, five CDs, in 15 different lessons, an interactive workbook, and a book called Create Your World. And I'm going to tell you, it'll show you how to create your atmosphere for God's promises, God's favor, and God's blessing in your life. There is more, and God wants you to experience it in this life now. Available for a gift of $59. To hear this week's interview or watch archives of our television show, It's Supernatural, visit our website at www.sidroth.org. That's www.sidroth.org. To receive a complimentary copy of our bi-monthly teaching newsletter, materials catalog, or information about becoming Mishpucha or Chalitzim, write to me, Sid Roth, Post Office Box, 39222 Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278. To place a credit card order, call anytime, 1-800-447-2697. For all other calls, the number is 704-943-6500. That's 704-943-6500. For a CD of this week's broadcast, Send a donation to Sid Roth, that's S-I-D-R-O-T-H, 
Post Office Box 39222, Charlotte, North Carolina, 28278.